Welcome. Good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. We're glad that you're here. Uh, this is a very uh, historical Sunday, actually. Our church is about 27 years old, and this is the first time in 27 years we're able to do, actually do a baptismal service inside our building. So we're especially glad that you're here, and you can be, participate in that. And that's our topic for today. Uh, we did our Christmas sermon last week, and we'll do a Christmas sermon Saturday evening. Uh, but this is going to be different. Uh, we're going to talk about baptism going public. Now, I want to ask you to put your thinking caps on this morning, because uh, most of what you believe about this, you didn't think through. You, your opinions come from your tradition or your parents' tradition, and uh, don't really come necessarily from the New Testament or from historical tradition. So I'm asking you to put your thinking caps on. Try and keep this as little emotional as possible because it's an emotional topic. I understand that. And um, <clears throat> we consider this a big deal around here. And so we want to try and explain it as best we can. And hopefully you can understand it as best you can. And you can make decisions about it as best you can. And I'm going to tell you right up front, my goal is, if you have not been baptized either by form or by timing that I'm going to describe this morning, that you would feel led or feel encouraged or uh, to, to follow or obey God in this way. So that's kind of my goal up front. If you've not been baptized or not been baptized, by the way, we're going to explain it this morning. <clears throat> now... I didn't go to church as a child, started going as a young teenager, about 13, 14 years old, and then, since then I've been going to a Baptist church. So I get my understanding of baptism from Baptist church. Now since Baptist is in our name, I assume that we got it right, all right? Uh, the way we did it was the right way, the way everybody else did it was the wrong way, because besides, what, what is a Methodist? What is a Presbyterian? But a Baptist is someone who's been baptized, right? So uh, that's, that's, that's my, my baggage. That's where I come from. Um, I grew up in, in, near Baltimore and a very Catholic community. So I had a lot of neighbors and friends that were Catholic. And they did it completely different. And um, they would baptize what they would call baptize uh, small children. Uh, sprinkle some little water on their head. So there's a lot of different opinions, a lot of feelings, different methods and timing to this baptismal thing, depending on uh, uh, your tradition. Now, I get calls or I get questions sometimes about, I'll have a, a mom, or usually it's a mom or a grandma coming to me and say, hey, um, uh, I got a newborn child or I got a newborn grand, uh, child and I want them to get baptized. And uh, they're usually people that are unchurched, which is kind of cool, but they don't have any understanding other than the fact that somewhere in the back of their mind or somewhere they've learned that for my child, my little infant, to get into heaven, they've got to be baptized. And so it gives me an opportunity to talk to them, explain to them uh, what I feel is what the Bible teaches, what Jesus taught, and uh, Paul about baptism, what it means, and how you're supposed to do it, and when you're supposed to do it. <clears throat> now, the thing that almost... I think almost all, maybe all Christian churches have in common is they do baptism. I don't know of one that doesn't, maybe there is, but all Christian churches do baptism. So why is that? Why would all churches have that in common? And I believe it goes back to the last thing Jesus said, or the last thing we have recorded what Jesus said, before he left this earth. 
It's like, I've been teaching you for three and a half years. I'm about to leave. If you don't remember anything else, here's your marching orders, okay? And it's in the end of the book of Matthew. It's another, another place in the Bible. And here's what Jesus said. He said, therefore, go and make disciples. That means followers or learners, followers of me or learners about me. Of all the nations, we would say language groups or uh, groups today. So, you know, don't just go to China and India and some other places, but there's groups of people, different languages, language groups in those countries. So you want to take it to all those people groups. And here's our word, baptizing them. Okay, so you're going to make disciples out of these folks. You're, you're going to teach them about me, and they're going to come to accept me and want to follow me. And the next thing you're supposed to do <laughs> is to baptize them, according to Jesus. And then he says, and then baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, have you ever seen a baptism? It's usually done with those three words. And you probably thought, well, that's just some kind of church, churchy thing. Well, no, it's not a churchy thing. It's a Jesus thing, all right? Now, it makes sense to say Father or God because we are believers in God. When Jesus said, the son, he was talking about himself. And if you weren't a Jesus follower, that would have been heresy, right? Because for anybody to claim that they're God, nobody's going to believe that, right? But he said you got to do it in the name of my Father and me and the Holy Spirit. So that's the formula. Now, like I say, all Christian churches agree to baptize. But then after that, it gets really wild and crazy and confusing, doesn't it? But Jesus instructed us, and if we are to be obedient, we need to get baptized. So first and foremost, if you haven't been baptized, that's what you need to do. Now, we'll talk about why and how we do it. And if you don't agree with us, if you want to do something else, that's fine. But it's important that you, if you're a Jesus follower, or when you become a Jesus follower, that you get baptized. Now, <clears throat> in the New Testament, it was not written in English. I think English was around even then. All right, 2,000 years ago, the New Testament was written in Greek. So we're going to do a little Greek study. It's not going to be very complicated. It's going to be easy to understand, but it'll help you get to the basis of why we believe what we believe and what we practice as a Baptist church. So in the Greek, this word shows up as baptizo. I didn't put the actual Greek letters up there. Uh, That's the English version of baptizo. So... When you're translating, I'm glad they translate the Bible in English, aren't you? Otherwise, we'd all have to learn Hebrew and, English, and, and Greek to, to read it. So when they were translating the Bible, New Testament, into English, uh, most of the time they would translate, actually translate it. That means when they came across the word like theos, that's the Greek word for the English word God. So theos, I'm going to write God, all right? Translate theos into God. The problem was, when they got to the word baptizo, they didn't translate it, they transliterated it. Now, not to get too, too complicated, but basically they took the Greek letter, first Greek letter here would be beta, that's the Greek letter, that for our, their letter B for our letter, letter B in English. So for beta, they put a B. And in, uh, in uh, Greek, the, the, that would be an Alpha, and so in English, that's an A, and they did that through the word baptizo. So they didn't translate it, they transliterated it. Now, why would they do that? (laughs) 
Well, this goes back about 500 years ago, and most of you probably have had or had or still have a King James Version of the Bible. That's about 1600. Well, that's the first major uh, translation of the Bible. It's named after a king, King James of England. And back then, the kings were like all-powerful, and they were head of the church as well as head of the country. And so he, he paid for this translation of the Bible. Now, the Church of England is what we call uh, the Episcopal Church here. It's the Anglican Church there. And how that came about was, some of you may know, uh, King Henry VIII wanted to get divorced and the Pope wouldn't let him, so he started his own church. And so there's not a lot of difference between the Catholic Church and the Episcopal Church. So in the Baptist Church, when do they baptize people? As soon as possible. They sprinkle a little water on their head, right? <clears throat> So, if I'm a translator of the Bible and King James has told me to translate and he's the head of the church and the church baptizes how? Sprinkling, I'm not going to translate this word. Because this word is literally a common Greek word. And here's what it meant. It meant to wash, to plunge, to soak, to a dip, to immerse, to, it was used for dyeing cloth, it was used for ships that would sink, it was even used for people drowning, all right? So when a person drowned, they would use the word baptizo. When a ship sank, they would use the word baptizo. So it's a very common Greek word 2,000 years ago. In fact, we have a pickle recipe, and any of you folks make pickles? We had a bunch of people in the first service. Now we got one, two. All right. We have an 1,800-year-old recipe for pickles from a Greek guy. forgot his name. I didn't put it down. Anyway, and here's what he says. He First, you take the vegetable and you baptizo it in hot water. And then you baptizo it in a vinegar mixture. And then when the vegetable dies, it goes to heaven, right? No, of course not. All right. It simply meant you stick, dunk, plunge, this cucumber into water first and then vinegar mixture later. So, 2,000 years ago, that's what that word meant. Now, here's where it gets confusing. Uh, when they're translating the Bible, about 500 years ago into English, sometimes they actually translated the word. I know it's a little confusing. Try to explain it. They actually translated the word, and they usually used the word wash. Okay. And then other times they didn't, they transliterated it into the word baptiza, baptism or baptize. So I'm going to give you two examples out of the New Testament where they actually translated baptizo as wash. And one translation, or one place, is actually word immerse. So this comes from uh, Matthew chapter 7. <clears throat> and it's talking about the religious leader, Jewish religious leaders. They didn't eat anything from the market until they washed or immersed, baptizoed their hands in water. Okay, that's common practice even today, right? We wash our hands before we eat. Then he goes on. This is but one of the many traditions that they clung to. So not, it wasn't just for cleanliness, it was a tradition. It was important. Such as the ceremonial washing. Sometimes they put a word in front of the word baptizo. In this case, ceremonial washing or baptizo of cups, pitch, pitchers and kettles. So when you go home and eat today, 
uh, folks, don't put your dishes in the dishwasher. You can put them in the sink and you can baptize them. And again, they're not going to go to heaven when they die either. All right? It just means to wash them or dip them or soak them under water. One other case and then we'll move on. An example from New Testament. This is from Luke chapter 11. His host, this was a Pharisee, a host of Jesus, was amazed to see that he sat down to eat without first performing this hand washing that we just saw in the other verse, or baptizo ceremony required by the Jewish custom. So he wasn't getting baptized, he would, as we would call it, baptized. He was just washing his hands. Now it seemed, would it be a little strange if we read Matthew uh, <laughs> uh, 28:19, uh, "Go into all the world and wash." The, my disciples or my, my followers. So how in the world did this common Greek word become a religious word? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to answer. Uh, there's about 400 years between the Old Testament and New Testament. If you didn't know, that's about how long it was. And during that time, we talked about last week, the, or the last couple of weeks, that the nation of Israel was supposed to be a light to the world. They had the one true God. They were the only monotheistic religion, everybody else had pantheons of gods, and the Jews just had one God. It was kind of, kind of strange to most people. And so they were supposed to live differently, and some people would see this and say, hey, I like your religion. I like the fact you have one God, and he's a loving God, and we got bunches of gods, and they don't love us at all. Is there any way possible, even though I wasn't born Jew, that, Jewish, that I could become a Jew? I could join your church, so to speak. And so over those 400 years, they, they developed the Jewish uh, faith, developed a system where people non-Jewish, Gentiles like you and not most of us, could become Jewish. They could practice Jewish religion. So this is what they came up with. It's like five components. <clears throat> First was circumcision. That's why I think most of, the, most of the converts were female. Not all probably, but most were female. Most of you know what that is. It's a surgery performed on a male, very painful surgery. And so that would, if you're a male, that was one of the requirements, become Jewish. Um, if you were willing to do that, uh, you would participate in a covenant meal. The most important covenant meal to a Jew is the Passover. It comes around our Easter time, celebrating the fact that the Israelites, uh, Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt. <clears throat> you had acknowledgement of the law of Moses, the Old Testament. So, you know, I lived like I wanted to before, but now I'm going to follow the Ten Commandments and the laws in the Bible and do the things that, that the Old Testament says. And then there would be involved a sacrifice, if possible, an animal sacrifice at, at, at the temple. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. They would perform what's called a ceremonial washing. Now, let me explain this. This was done by yourself in private. Nobody else was involved. Nobody else saw you do this. And it represented washing yourself or cleansing yourself of your sin, but also, your, in this case, your Gentileness, your non-Jewishness, and now that you were becoming a Jew. <clears throat> so, that's how uh, a non-Jew became a Jew during this time of Jesus, up to the time of Jesus. <clears throat> so, what word do you think they used for this ceremonial washing? We only saw two instances of it. They used the word, in the Greek, would use the word baptizo. So then about uh, 30 A.D., this kind of little crazy guy came along the scene. 
uh, down by the Jordan River, and uh, he started to preach. He looked a little different, dressed a little bit different, ate a little bit different. And what was his message? The message boiled down to one word. Repent. 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 Okay, his name was John. Okay, John, you got anything else to say? No, just repent. <laughs> okay? It's not enough that you're Jewish, that you go to the temple, and maybe you follow the, the dietary guidelines. That's not enough. You got to actually live it out in your life. And so you need to repent of your sins, the stuff you're sh- doing you shouldn't be doing. Repent, repent, repent. Also part of his message is God was going to about to do something brand new. And by the way, that's where we're going to, new series we're going to start in two weeks. Uh, no service next Sunday. Two weeks. Uh, it's called brand new. We're going to kind of delve into that topic. So it's something brand new is going to be going to happen. So you need to repent. So we'd be taking people down into the Jordan River and baptizing them, all right? Baptizing them. We don't know exactly how he did it. We just know he, they went down into the river. <clears throat> and uh, so consequently, he got a nickname. So John the what? John the Baptist or ba- John the Baptizer. Now here's how it looks like in the Greek. John Ho Baptistus. Now it's interesting that the translators translated the Ho, didn't they? <laughs> they put the or the in place. John the Baptist. Now, here's where it gets, it changes. This word, Baptistus, this is the only place it shows up in the New Testament. So they took a common Greek word, baptizo, and changed it into this word, baptistus, which literally referred to what John was doing down in the Jordan River. All right? <clears throat> so John said, okay, it's not enough to be Jewish. It's not even enough to repent of your sins. You need to go public. You need to let other people know that this, you've made this decision, this change in your life. So you need to come down and let me baptistus you, all right? Now, <clears throat> one day as he's doing this and the people are around, the people, the kids are playing in the water and ladies are washing their clothes. One day as he's doing this, Jesus gets in line and he comes up to John and he says, hey, I want you to baptize me. Well, John recognizes him. He's his cousin and he knows who he is and he says, behold, the Lamb of God is going to take away the sins of the world. And he says, Jesus, are you kidding I'm not even worthy to unbuckle your sandals. I certainly can't baptize you. And Jesus says, no, no, John, you've got to baptize me. Now, why? <laughs> why? Well, one reason was it was to say, John, message is truly of God. I support John's message that you need to repent and change your life. <clears throat> but also as an example, I believe, for you and I. Now, Jesus, spiritually speaking, didn't need to be baptized. But he did it to encourage you and I to be baptized. Now, another interesting thing. Later on, <clears throat> well, first Jesus goes, starts his preaching ministry and his disciples. And they started baptizing Jesus' followers. Jesus didn't baptize, but the disciples did. So Jesus started baptizing <laughs> the, uh, his followers. Now, if you read the book of Acts, that's the part of the Bible that talks about the early church. At one place, they come across a group of people that John had baptized but didn't know about Jesus. So they've been baptized, Baptistas. Um, and so they, teach, they, they tell them about Jesus and they get 
Baptists again, because now they're not just followers of John's message to repent, they're followers of Jesus' message to become their Savior and, and Lord. And again, it's not enough on the outside, you need to do, show on the, I mean the insides, you have to show on the outside this decision you made on the inside. So let's, let's review. Baptism is first a public declaration of a new association. All right, I've stepped across the line. I haven't been a Jesus follower, but now I am, and I want everybody to know. Okay? That's one purpose of baptism. It's also a personal declaration of a new association. So this is a decision you've made, not your parents, not your grandparents, not your spouse. Nobody else has made this decision for you. You've made decision. This is my decision to do this, to be baptized. And then thirdly, we're getting behind back there, guys. (laughs) Personal declaration. Thirdly, uh, a condition of salvation. It's not a condition of salvation, but it's evidence of salvation. Now, if you're from a Catholic tradition or some other tradition, um, this is different. Again, this is a personal decision that you have made. It's evidence of salvation. It's not a condition of salvation. So these three folks we're going to baptize this today, if they were to die in the next half hour or next 10 minutes, they would still go to heaven. Uh, if they would just change their mind, which I'm sure they're not, but if they change their mind, they're still, when they die, to go to heaven. The best example I can think of, remember Jesus was nailed on the cross, and there's two other guys with him, and the one guy's just giving Jesus a whole time, hard time, and the other guy says, wait a minute, wait a minute, I really truly believe this guy is who he says he is. And Jesus says to this one criminal, what? I'll see you later. <laughs> well, where would he see him later? We see him in heaven. Certainly he didn't get to have an opportunity to be baptized, did he? So here's the two things we've been talking about. Form and timing. Form and timing. So the timing is that after you personally decide to become a Jesus follower, you get Baptized. All right? Now, what about form? Well, we already talked about the word meaning dip, immerse, soak. So we do it underwater. But why do we do it exactly the way we do? Because some churches do it different ways. They dunk you in the water, immerse you in the water, but they do it different ways. So why do we do it the way we do it? Well, because there's a theological representation. So quickly, we'll look at this, these verses and we'll be done and, and uh, then have our baptismal service. Have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus, Paul is writing this, in baptism, we join with him in his death. So symbolically, you're joining Jesus as he dies. Of course, Jesus isn't dead, right? So he goes on. For we were died and buried with Christ by baptism. So it's a representation of being buried. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by this glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. And then you are resurrected. Now, how do we bury people? On their backs, right? Face up. And how many times do we bury them? (laughs) Just once. There's all kinds of traditions about baptism. So what do we do? We baptize face up, down once to represent death, up once to represent resurrection, our new life. Now one other requirement we have, if we are to baptize you, and this is what we started last year, is we require you to give your testimony on video. And let me just put that next screen up there. Everybody is scared of doing the video. 
Okay? Nobody likes to do this. This is about as easy as possible. There's two people there instead of a whole group of people here, like here. And we get to edit it. So if you say something stupid, we'll take it out, okay? <laughs> or I didn't do it. Somebody else did it. Uh, by the way, the ones that saw the videos today said they approved of them. So. Um, but anyway, you get to tell your story. That's pretty cool, right? And your story is unique. Everybody's story is unique. And I would just encourage you not to rob us of hearing your story. Now, personal testimony. I got the sprinkling thing done when I was a baby. I ch- Parents didn't go to church or anything. They just, again, they would want to think, well, we can make sure he gets in there. We're going to get this done, done ahead of time. All right? Started going to church when I was 13 or 14. Um, my mom and my brother and sister, and I'm older than both of them, they made this decision uh, to follow Jesus uh, on a, in a Christmas Eve service, and I wasn't there. And so the pressure was on for me to make this decision. And in that Baptist church, we had to walk down the aisle, and eventually one day I got the courage and walked down the aisle. Long story short, I got baptized as a, a young teenager. Years later, even after I accepted the call into the ministry to become a pastor, I felt, you know what? I really didn't know what I was doing back when I was 14. And so I have been actually baptized, depending on the method, three times as an adult. So I get the, the timing right. I was, again, immersed or baptized. <clears throat> as far as Jesus is concerned and as far as we're concerned, this is an essential. This is not an optional thing. This thing, eh, I think I'll do it or maybe I wouldn't want to do it. And since Jesus was willing to suffer and die for you, I think any excuse you might have, I don't want to get my hair wet, whatever it might be, <laughs> is kind of uh, uh, silly anyway. And just one other thing. I truly believe there are people here today that need to hear, in this case, the Bresnay's story. So, <clears throat> I'm going to pr- pray, and then we're going to, for the first time ever in this church's history, have a baptism uh, inside this, this building. So let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, I thank you so much for this opportunity to share about this important topic. Hopefully it's been clear, and hopefully, God, some people here that didn't understand or wasn't, weren't motivated, will be motivated uh, to, to follow you, to obey you in this important uh, decision and this step of faith and this step in, your Je- in their Jesus journey. And we want to pray for anyone today that, that maybe isn't a Jesus follower that wants to step across that line. All you have to do is say, yes, Jesus, uh, I believe. I want to be part of your family. I accept your gift of salvation. Uh, God, just uh, use these testimony, this baptism, uh, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.